This morning, I want to uh, share with you, uh, just, it, I, I guess it's probably because this last week, our oldest child, our oldest daughter, she turned 21, and so, um, you know, you get in a bit of a reflection space when your kids grow up, and you're kind of like, gosh, that went fast, and um, what was that all about, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so last night, we had a great celebration with Caitlin, but um, you know, Nicole's and my role, our relationship with our oldest daughter now is it's changing really significantly. Um, she's um, she, while she's our child, while she's our daughter, we don't relate to her like she's a child anymore, uh, or at, or as if she's childish. We actually relate to her now as as an adult, and um, she's. On one end, she's grown up into this adult phase and she's like, oh, this whole thing about becoming an adult, you know, and all of the realities that go with that. Um, she's loving it and she's challenged by it all at the same time. Well, we're having the same experience except in reverse. It's kind of like you've been our child, but now we have to step into this role where we don't relate to you as if you're a child. We relate to you like you're an adult, you're a peer, you're a friend. And that, that's, that takes a big shift of perspective and heart and understanding of being able to look at her very differently in the stage of life that she's in now. But the, the work, we're having to do the work about how we perceive her, even as she's having to do her own work about how she perceives herself. And um, it's, quite a, it's quite an amazing thing. But in the process of it all, I was sharing with her last night um, as we celebrated her life with some family and friends and some of her uni and workmates and, uh, and, and folk. And I was just sharing with her. I said, you know, I'm realizing that as a parent and as a father, um, really, if you take away all of the, the gold and the silver, and there's not a lot of that, but if you take away all the material stuff that we tend to think about as inheritances for our children and for our grandchildren, if you've got grandies, grandkids, you know, we, th- we tend to think about what am I going to give them and we tend to um, automatically flick into material mode. Oh, well, I'd love to be able to leave them, you know, a house or a... A, a deposit on a house for themselves or I'd, I'd love to be able to leave them this wonderful resource base. And that in itself is an absolutely beautiful and honourable thing. Um, but I said to her last night, I said, if you take all of that away, um, you soon realise that <clears throat> the inheritance, the best inheritance, well, this is for, as I understand it, the best inheritance I can give my daughter is if I live a life that is so um, alive to Jesus because that, that will last. The silver and the gold will rust, the homes will rust, the cars will break down, the clothing will, you know, wear out. All of that moth and rust gets into it. The Bible talks about that. But it's, it's the story of my journey with Jesus which is the most powerful thing I can give to my daughter that will go with her um, as she goes on. Um, recently, <clears throat> my dad and my mum, they had to move house. And um, 
so they were downsizing. They've moved house a couple of times over the last few years and they've downsized as they've went, as they've gone. And they were getting rid of some more of their furniture and uh, part of the furniture that they were getting rid of, and I'm, I'm glad I r- realised what they were getting rid of, was uh, uh, this chair that sits in my, historically sat in my dad's office at his house. And this chair, this one particular chair, is a chair that he, he sits in every single day that I can ever remember growing up. My dad would always be in that chair in the morning and that chair was the chair that he would meet with Jesus in. He would, he would fellowship with God. He would pray for his, you know, us, his family. He would open the Bible and he would talk to Jesus and meet with the Lord and the Father. And so when he was saying, oh, we're, we're going to let go of some of this furniture, I said, I, I just want one piece of your furniture, that one. I want that piece. Um, and so that and the reason why I want that piece is because I want the inheritance of the relationship that my father has built with God. And the chair is just a material reminder and an invitation. But it's, it's, there's, a, there's a, like umpteen years of fellowship with the Holy Spirit that my dad has enjoyed with and built with God. And I look at that and I go, I want that. I want that for me and I want that for my family. And so now that chair sits in our lounge room and I sit in that chair every day now. I sit in that chair every day now. It kind of feels good sitting in that chair because I'm sitting in a history. I'm not, I'm not trying to create a history. I mean, he went and created it. I'm just getting the benefits of it. And now I get to take that as a story for, for myself where I can meet with God and I can build a story and a history with God and hopefully one day... One of our children might say, I want that chair when you're done with it. You know, that's our hope, that they might want that. <clears throat> My children, they need for me to keep growing up. I've just turned 49. I've learned a few things. I've still got a lot to learn. I'm a beginner in many things. I've... I've got some great skill set and wisdom and tools that I've learned along the way, but I have not arrived. And I really want to encourage you all here today, because in my conversations with the Lord this week, he was really pressing me, and he was really pressing me on this point. And the point is around the moment I choose, it's all on my end, the moment I choose to disengage with God, is me determining the inheritance I will give to my children. And it wasn't, it wasn't like God was guilting me out on that. He was just saying, if you're only going to walk this far with me, if you're only going to come into maturity this far, then that's all you have to give away. And I was just like, oh God, I want to grow up. <laughs> you know, most days of the week I still feel like I'm 15. I can't run like I was 15, but once was 15, but I still feel like on the inside like I'm such a kid. And yet God doesn't, 
see me like that. He gives me his kingdom. He invites me into a relationship with him. He invests his spirit into me. He pours the resources of his kingdom into me. And just like that prophetic word this morning that came, you know, he's put my name on my streets because he wants me to be a bringer of the kingdom to the people I live among. And he's looking to me to partner with him in that, even as he is all of you. We don't have to feel particularly grown up, but we do have to be willing to let God to keep growing us up along the way. If you've got your Bible with you, I want you to open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and um, he's having to write to the church because the church is in a very interesting place. Let me just see if I can get this working. Uh, no, it's not behaving. Um, I might just need someone. Thanks, Bruce. <clears throat> um, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's right smack in the middle of this letter that Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church, if we can keep going, keep going to the, to the Bible. Ver- there we go. Um, as, as Paul's writing to them, he's writing to them for a few reasons. One is, they're a church that is really familiar with the Holy Spirit. This church loves the Holy Spirit. This church loves the manifest power of the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, God seems to really love rocking up in the person of the Holy Spirit. And all of the gifts and the grace that's on this church, is it's kind of like at the extreme end. And yet at the same time, uh, Paul's writing to them because... There was an immaturity in the people. And the immaturity was to the fact that people were going around saying like, yeah, I operate in this gift and I do it a lot better than you. Um, No, you don't. I'm better at this than you. There was a carnality. There was a sense of selfishness about this incredible grace of the Holy Spirit on this church. And, and, And people were using, using Using God for self-elevation. That's what they were really doing. They were saying, hey, have a look at these gifts. I'm someone, aren't I? And actually Paul writes into the thick of that and he says, you guys, you are so childish. You are so childish. You think because you can operate in power ministry, you've got it all. You haven't. There's more to this than just the power ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's more to this. And God is after the heart. And he's also after the flesh. Because these guys are sleeping around with each other. And it's like, you've got to stop that. There was an immaturity about the church. And so I'm going to read here 1 Corinthians 13. This is the the scripture that's often used uh, at weddings. Because it's all about love. Um. So if you do have your Bible there, or it's on the screen, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, Paul's just talked in in 12 about these power gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he actually then says, go after these gifts. Like, desire these manifestations of the power of the Spirit gifting you. Go after it. And then he says, but go after it in this context. And now I will show you a most excellent way. So he's saying, go for the power gifts, but go for the power gifts this way. 
like this. If I speak in in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries of and, no, and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. So note, you can prophesy lovelessly. You can exercise faith lovelessly. Note that. He's pulling him up on that. He said, you can move mountains lovelessly. Because God... God God is interested in defending his name and his character and his ways. And he will even use broken, selfish people in their misuse of his character. But he will still honour that because he wants the world to know who he really is. If I gave all that I possess to the poor and I give my body over to hardship that I might boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. The Lord got me on that one yesterday. I was just walking d- back home after going down to the park, <clears throat> doing a bit of exercise with the park runners at Warner yesterday, and I was walking home, and anyway, someone drove past me who I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And the first thing that rose up in my, my mind was like where I felt like they'd, you know, treated me poorly. And I was just, I got angry straight away. I'm like, whoa. And I was like, whoa. And I asked for forgiveness. And I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't want the weight of having to carry those wrongs. I, just, I don't want the weight of that. That's exhausting. Could you please forgive me and take it off me? And he was so kind. He was so kind. He did. And he filled me with joy and I found myself praying blessing over these people that drove past me. Wow. Only God, eh? Love does not delight with evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wow. Wow. Always, always, always. <laughs> circle the always. <laughs> if you're going to highlight something there, circle that in your book. Always, always, always. <laughs> I think Paul's trying to get through to us. <laughs> Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, these will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, in other words, grew up, 
I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I grew up, I put child, the ways of childhood behind me. You know, you guys get out of bed in the morning for a reason. You do know that. So most of the time we don't think about that, what that reason is. We just get into this mode of operations. So I have to get up, have to have breakfast, have to do this, have to feed the kids, pack the school bags, whatever. We have to get to the office. We just get into this mode of operations. But there's a reason why you get, you get up. And there's a reason why God is calling us to a place of increased maturity. If I could go forward to the, um, the call to maturity slide. Thanks, Bruce. The big why. Why are you getting up in the morning? Here's my why. Because I'm building a kingdom inheritance in the earth for the generations. That's why I get up. That's why you get up as followers of Jesus. That's why, why God's love has broken into us. Because he's, he's inviting us to walk the kingdom with him in the earth for the sake of the generations. That's why you're here. That's why God's called you into fellowship with himself. That's why God's filled you with his spirit. That's why God puts dreams and, and, and uh, passion and creative plans in, in your heart and your mind. That's why he speaks to you while you sleep. It's so that we would realize that when we wake, this is why we get up each day. And we realize we're on this journey of, of growing up. And the big how... How do I grow up? Well, Romans 8, 29 says this. God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, at conversion, you received a new heart. When you said yes to Jesus, you received a new heart. You received his heart. Your heart died died and you were given a new heart you were given the heart of jesus alive in you you received that you are no longer an orphan you are no longer a slave to sin you are no longer that is not who you are you are no longer lost you are no longer under any form of judgment when you came to christ you received a new heart and you shifted address. You got you came into his house. You came into his family. You came into his kingdom. You are now a child of God, as John would say. You're a child of God. That's who you are. Paul talks about it in Romans. You are now sons and daughters. You have been adopted by God to be his kids, be his children. You, 
who you are now in here is according to who God has said we are. And we often say, well, what does that look like? What does it mean to be conformed to his image? Well, Jesus. Jesus. That's what it looks like. It looks like Jesus alive in me. Remember that stuff? Oh, yeah, God, I'm going to pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, come and, you know, forgive me. Come and live in my heart. He does. He comes and lives in your heart by faith. He establishes himself, his identity, his character, his will, his ways, his identity. All because of the great love of God the Father. And then Jesus uses that. Well, what does that look like? Here's that really bold statement of Jesus. When he says, when you've seen me, you've seen dad. The big how, we get to do the big why, is because Jesus lives in you. And he's making you like him. And he's transforming you from the inside out so that when people see you, they see both Jesus and the Father gets glory because they can see God. That's, that's what we get to give away. That journey, that story, that experience. We get to grow up as God, in Hebrews 2.10 says, brings his sons and daughters to glory. Now, I'm not talking glory as in I'm promoted to the eternal kingdom. I'm talking about the manifestation of who God is in Christ here and now. That glory. God's bringing up sons and daughters into that glory, the glory of the Son, the glory of the one and only, the glory of the Son of God. You and I, that's who we're becoming like as God grows us up. His love is so radical, so powerful, so transforming to the point where you see, I want the inheritance of my father's chair. Well, not so I'd, well, not so I'd be like my dad, but that I would have the relationship with the God that my dad has a relationship with. I want, I want that relationship. I want that inheritance. That's where I want to live. And we've all got a, a, an inheritance to give away. Some of us may not feel like I've got anything to give away. Please <clears throat> go and ask Jesus for forgiveness for thinking like that. Please, because you're soiling his work. You're soiling his work. You're soiling his grace. You're devaluing the extreme radical power and love of God. Please ask for forgiveness and let him come and change you that the mind of Christ who lives in you might begin to play a new tape for you to start listening to. In the, in the whole neurology of our brain, that it would be filled with the love, the light and the truth of who God is and that he could overcome and break the power of all of those other pre-Jesus tapes and set us free from it. You see, there's a move of God that's happening. It's been happening for a long time. But it comes in waves, it ebbs and flows and there seems to be a bit, of ebb and, a bit more ebb or no, sorry, a bit more flow than ebb at the moment. 
around the place. I'm just talking about even in my own daily walk, people I'm meeting with strangers along the way. There is more flow of the kingdom happening than ebbing at the moment. There's great events. I mean, there's a bunch of you guys that shared some stories last weekend here about you went to Franklin Graham, you know, hundreds. I mean, I think something like in an article, four or 5,000 maybe people came to Christ uh, before the Sydney conferences, uh, the Sydney events. But just in, the, in a week. In a week. That's like in the book. Well, that was, it's not even as good as the book. The book said in a day, thousands came to Jesus. There's, but there seems to be a bit more flow than ebb at the moment. There's people turning to Jesus. I think there's a spiritual climate at the moment where the Lord is hearing the prayers of his people crying out, come, Lord Jesus, come. Please come for our nation. Come for the people of our nation. Please make your kingdom known. Please set the captives free. Where there's injustice and poverty, would you please let the generosity of your kingdom do amazing things through your people to turn everything that's wrong right again? Please, God, pour out your spirit. Bring your kingdom. There seems to be a bunch of that going on at the moment. Nicole and I last weekend and Ella, she's working with the young people in Jive Up this morning, but we went down to the prayer summit last weekend for Vineyard Australia and there's 40 of us from around the country. We got together and we, you know, we had a great meal together at the start of the day and then we just got into God's presence. We got into his space and his face and his heart and we just said, God, please, please, whatever you need to do, we're here, we're asking, would you please bring your kingdom with greater measure, more powerful effect and start with us. Start with us. I'm not asking you to do something out there. I'm, chained, I'm asking that you would help me to connect with what you have done and are doing in here, that I might flow from that to the world. We're not asking you to fix something out there on the street. We're asking God, bring us alive by the power of your spirit that we can partner with you in bringing the kingdom to our world. We're not sitting and waiting and looking for God to do something over there. We're asking for him to bring us alive in here that we can partner with what he's doing right here, right now. Well, what does that look like? Well, on Saturday morning while we were down in Sydney, we booked out this little cafe in northern parts of Sydney and uh, we squeezed 40 of us into this little cafe and it was just run by this family. And um, I'm not even sure what part of the world they were from. I can't remember the, where their origins were. But um, anyway, we had breakfast. It was a great feed, great time of fellowship together. And just on the way out, I just started to talk to the, one of the young guys who was busy running around serving everyone. And I just, I just inquired of him, took a bit of time. What's, what's it like working here? Do you like working here? And then he says, oh, it's my father-in-law's business. And he pointed at another guy. And I went, oh, okay, great. So anyway, I just spent a bit of time with him. And then I was like, right, because when he pointed at his father-in-law, all of a sudden, my heart just got really full for that man. Like it just all of a sudden came alive for him. I was like, I need to go and talk to him. So what am I going to talk about? Well, I talked about his coffee. I said, man, you serve great coffee. He's like, oh, yeah, we love serving the coffee here. It's a really nice blend. And, you know, I just took some time to be interested in what he's interested in. I didn't have to come with some, 
the Lord God has sent me from that chair to you to let you know. I just took some interest in his life because up to that point, I have no clue, really, other than I had this sense of God was bringing me alive toward this guy. And so I just went with that, had a bit more of a chat. I discovered that he has a daughter that lives up here in Brisbane in Kelvin Grove. And then he started to and then he started, I said, oh, so you know, I know Kelvin Grove. He says, yeah, I know that area because he said also, I've got some investments that I'm making up there and I've got, you know, property investments up around the Chermside area I'm making and I have to make some decisions right now. And I'm, you know, and then all of a sudden you could see he was going from joy to anxiety. It went from talking about lovely coffee to all of a sudden his anxieties were coming onto the table. And all I... I I just said, oh, yeah, I know where Kelvin Grove is. Totally spiritual, right? <laughs> I'm just taking an interest in what he's interested in. And then all of a sudden he puts out all of his stuff on the table. I'm like, I've got to make these decisions this week. It's like I became his confidant or something in the space of about two minutes. It was a, God was stitching up the atmosphere. God was moving. God was... Like he could see that I was interested to partner with what God was doing in here for the sake of another. As I leaned into that, God was like, great, I'm going to stitch this up now. And as he put, this guy pours out all of his concerns and his needs, I just said, you know what? He's, uh, I said, the best thing I know to do in a time like this is pray. Can I pray with you right now? And he looks at me. And then he goes, okay. He considered it. He said, okay. I'm like, excellent. There's faith rising on him. He's partnering with God and he doesn't even know it. This is what faith looks like. God just moves and drops on people and they start to come alive to him. They don't even know it. And so I just said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And he said, yeah. And so I just started to pray. And I literally, simply just prayed to God the story that he told, this man told me. I took his story and I just lifted it to God. And then as I'd done that, then the Holy Spirit landed on me with the end of 1 Corinthians 12. Eagerly go after prophecy. The Holy Spirit's like stitching this guy up and then he's stitching me up. And he's like, okay. And so God gives me this prophetic word for him. And the word was this. I said, the Lord is deeply interested in all of your financial well-beings because the Lord knows your heart and your heart is not for your personal gain but that your children and your grandchildren would be resourced and that they would not have any fear of need. The Lord sees that and the Lord is honoured by that and he blesses you today. And, I'm, and I said, I know, then I'm just like, okay, I'm starting to get a bit bolder here as I'm praying. It's kind of rising up in me a bit more. And I, and I, said to, and I just said, and the Lord will do this for you so that you will know he loves you and he has sent his son Jesus for you. And the guy's just like, he looked at me with like deer headlight, you know, eyeballs in the headlight. He was shocked. And I just said to him, I said, you know what? I really want you to know that when you leave here today, God loves you more than anything. 
And I just want to say thank you for your hospitality in letting us come to your cafe today. And I put my backpack on and off I went. Partnering with God. There is a move. There seems to be flow happening where the kingdom is coming and the king's kids are partnering with the king in what the king is doing. But it's a call to grow up. And you may remember these little illustrations that uh, were used at the Vineyard Conference earlier this, late last year. We start like this in this place of dependence, if we're going to use children growing as an analogy. We start, we're born highly dependent on our parents for food, for care, for shelter, for everything. And then we, then we, then we grow to the next one, independence, where all of a sudden... Um, children grow, we grow to a stage where we go, I, I want to distance myself a bit here. I want to be who I am, but I still, I need what you're providing, but I don't, I'm trying to figure out who I am and I want to be me, but I still want the care that you're providing and the safety for me to grow up and become aware of who I really am. And we start to forge into independence. So we start to forge those ideas of thinking. Well, this is what I believe. That's what mum or dad used. That's what they believe. But now, now I believe this. This is my faith now. I'm, I think, I'm kind of, and I'm going to test this. And I'm going to live in that and see if it's true for me. We live in that space of growing up in independence. Or, yes, that might have been a job that my father or my grandfather was in, a field of vocation. But you know what? I'm not going to be the third one in the generation that's going to take on the family business. I'm actually going to go in this direction. I, I'm trying to find some independence here. There's, you know, there's this pressure that's going on as we seek to find independence. And then as we come into that space of realising who we are, the next one, thanks Bruce, is we, we become... We, we move into this space called interdependence where um, I don't need you. I don't need you to tell me who I am anymore. But I, and I don't need you to provide for me like you once did. But I choose to be in relationship with you for a greater good. For a greater good, be it for a family, for a workplace. For, I choose to be in a relationship with you where together we can bring... Um, the kingdom or, or whatever the circumstances. So that journey of dependence, independence to interdependence is the pathway to maturity. Churches go through this as well. Uh, people go through this as well as they meet Christ. Remember the key verse though, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. Christians are really good at that in the dependence. You know, in the in the dependence phase, and the independent independent phase. But then, when I became a person, a fully fledged, flourishing person, I put away the childish ways. Interdependence. God's calling us here. I mean, it's fair income. It's like simply this: as the Holy Spirit. Is, is upon you and in you and filling you. And he has character, power and fruit to shape you 
to be like Christ. As one who bears the image of God to the world and one who brings the worship of the world back to God. The Holy Spirit is in you doing this, forming you for this, and he's looking to grow us up into this. Next one. Thanks, um, thanks, mate. We shared a little bit about this this morning as just as you were praying for Nicole and I. And we really want you to understand that belonging to Pine River's Vineyard, you are a part of something so, so, so much bigger than this little shed on Paisley Drive. You are a part of a work of God. And it's really important. And the reason why I like those little cog illustrations is because each of those cogs, they need the other. They need the other. They choose to be together so that they can release the power that they're driving. We, we need that kind of cog life, if I was used to use a K instead of a C, kingdom of God life, cog life, cogged up together, if we, could, if we could live like that here, the profound effect of, on our region is huge. But we need each other. We need to be cogged to, with each other. And it's not because... It's because I'm cho- we choose. We choose to be grown-up, maturing people to be in relationship with each other for the sake of a greater good, ultimately the glory of God and the well-being of people. We do that locally. We also do that nationally. So it was so good to have Ella come with us last weekend out of Sydney. There's an 18-year-old or 18, 19-year-old young lady. And she's like in the room, you know, with the, the seasoned intercessors, you know. And she's just batting away, being herself. And it was glorious, man. It's just like, yeah. Another generation of people that are hungry for God. Hungry enough to like, yeah, I'll get on a plane, I'll pack a bag, I'll come to Sydney with you. Let's go. And, and, and her, she was like one of those kingdom of God cogs in this room of all these praying veterans, you know. But they, they were inspired by her. And she was inspired by them and their faithfulness. And together it released the power of the kingdom as we met together. We have a really amazing thing going on here with God. And, it, and our life together affects the Morton Bay. Our life together affects Queensland. We're, we're now, you know we're planting a church on the Atherton Tablelands, right? You do know that, right? So don't be surprised if you are getting, you know, little knocks on the heart and the head. It, the weirdest of times where God's saying, you need to go up there. Why? What's up there? We're, we're planting a church up there. That's what's up there. Get in your car. Get on the plane. Get in a train. Empty your wallet and go. Just connect with what God's doing. Oh. Permission given. Don't ask for permission to do the kingdom of God. Please, this is our everyday life following Jesus. <laughs> Just go. That was Jesus' last words, wasn't it? Go. 
fact, some of the, you know, some of the angels hanging around at his ascension are like, what are you blokes still doing here? Go. <laughs> Get. God's on the move. The kingdom's breaking in. Get yourself cogged and go. How awesome. We're also, we're also, when this cog here is spinning under the power of the Holy Spirit and people are just like passionately loving God, serving each other, telling the, sharing our good stuff with the poor and telling people about Jesus, as we're spinning like that here, that cog life here affects 20 other churches across the country. Your cog life here together affects a massive good. And as crazy as it sounds, God would send a few people from this cog life to go and affect a cog circumstances where we're planning and strategizing that the world would know Jesus. Pine Rivers Vineyard, you are not just any other group of people. You are the people of the kingdom of God, filled with the Spirit, with the life of Christ in you. Please, for his sake and for your well-being and for the well-being of others, let's hear the call of God to grow up. Let's choose to put, that's the other thing, oh yeah, I'm going to grow up, but how do I grow up? I have to choose to put childish ways behind me. That's what You can't grow up and take the childish ways with you. You have to choose to leave them behind. You know the conversation God's been having with you this week. You know the, you know the areas. You know that because it flows out of his intimacy and his love for you. He whispers, he speaks, he loves, he doesn't, he doesn't forsake or abandon. He's like, come on, let's grow up into being image bearers of God that we truly are in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it there. I'm going to call it there. We're going to pray and see what the Holy Spirit might like to do. Father, we thank you for your love. Just thank you for your love. Thank you that your love is patient with us, is kind to us. We thank you that your love honours us. Wow, God, your love honours us. Thank you, Lord, that you, you don't hold our sin against us. That record of wrongs, you remove it from us and you cast it away, Lord. Thank you that you don't hold sin against us. Thank you that we are now no longer dead to sin, but we have been born again and we are alive to you, Heavenly Father, because of Jesus. I just want to... I just want to be like you, Lord. We want to be like you, Lord. We want to see all the people of the Morton Bay become like you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your love never fails. 
Thank you, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, just in this moment, you would just come now and you would speak to our lives about the call to maturity. And all of those childhood ways All of the things that are involved in those childhood ways. With the help of your spirit, Lord, we choose to leave them today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.